0: All right, Alexander the Great, part four. I wonder how many episodes this thing's gonna go. I mean, because I feel like we're maybe approaching the halfway point, which is Sisyphean, uh, if you think about it, but fuck it. This is fun for me and nobody's listening. Nobody, even if they did listen, will get anything out of it, so. In many ways, this is just me uh, masturbating in the most intelligent way possible, I guess, is one way to put it. But anyway, so I don't think I need to recap, um, but I will briefly, just in the uh, name of continuity, to when we last spoke, whoever the fuck you are, and probably no one, I'm just talking to myself, uh, Alexander just pulled off the big W against a massive Persian army um, at the Battle of Issus and he, you know, more or less punked Darius III out by coming at him hard personally and threatening to capture slash kill him and Darius took the fuck off. I mean, it was kind of smart, but obviously if you're a warrior, you're going to think that was bitch made to run away when you're out there to inspire your your army and instead you end up running away because The literally, the king on the other side came at you, so you kind of look weak, but back then there was no internet, so it's not like people are going to find out, you know. Anyway, uh, after the battle, Alexander found that uh, Darius had left his family behind in the camp, uh, along with uh, Darius' favorite eunuch, Bagulis. We'll talk about Baglis, hopefully some more, uh, the mystery of what made this damn eunuch so goddamn, uh, desirable by literally every king that came in contact with him, her, it, they, it. Yeah, we're gonna talk about preferred pronouns. My fucking preferred pronoun is it. Uh, but anyway, Darius's mom was kind of understandably pissed off at her son for running away and leaving her at the mercy of the Macedonians who I can imagine have been propagandized into just monster status, you know, like West Virginia deliverance types, but lucky for her, um, she actually got along with Alexander because he has mommy issues of his own, so it was kind of a perfect match. Um And they actually ended up getting along really well. Like, he called her mother and shit. And, uh, which you kind of sense in a theme here, right? I mean, first you had Ada of Caria. Uh, and then now you've got, uh, the queen mother of the Persian Empire. And they're both, like, adopting Alexander. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Alexander obviously just wants a normal mom and not one that's going to poison, uh, kids and turn them into mongoloids or whatever, uh, or, you know, we'll get into some other stuff that she does. It's probably not super desirable for a son to have mom do, like, you know, buying, buying you a prostitute on your 14th birthday and stuff like that. Um, But anyway, this is yet another mother figure uh, that uh, the young Macedonian Captain General, as they called him, Alexander, has glommed onto. Anyway, more importantly, uh, Alexander's captured a shitload of gold and money and so now he was no longer hard-pressed to pay his soldiers or buy food or get equipment and stuff like that but that being said all that Darius is still on the loose and he's presumably gonna raise another army to scrap with uh, but for the time being Alexander could had a little breathing space to continue his strategy of securing sort of Asia Minor modern-day Turkey and then heading down the coast of like Syria, Lebanon, Israel, that stuff, and uh, completing a strategy of basically dealing with the Persian fleet by taking out all of its harbors and all of its ports that it could supply itself from. So cutting it off at the base. Um, and so just a couple of days after the battle, you know, the next day he goes and visits his, um, you know, injured and stuff like that, like a, a like a true man of the people. You know, going around checking. oh. What? get your wrist cut off. You know, I don't know what the injuries were back then. You take a spear to the uh yeah, to the neck and they survived. That's I mean, that's uh, that's an interesting thing in terms of what were the injuries uh and casualties, I mean, just, you know, getting chopped a little bit and they had medicine to to deal with it. Interesting. Anyway, a couple of days after the battle, Alexander and his his army pack up and they set down the uh, set out down the coast of Syria. Fucking always be, you know, ABC, always be closing. His is always be conquering. You know, keep going. That's a, I mean, that's what most good leaders do. They're aggressive, man. They keep pushing. They don't let their enemy catch a breath, and so, as Alexander's making his way down the coast, uh, he received a message from Darius, actually, a a couple of uh, royal emissaries uh, approach, and you know, it's a famous letter now that uh, Alexander receives, and it first starts off by accusing Alexander of starting a war of aggression, uh, which it totally was. But uh, you know, in in the Greeks' minds, it's like, well, you guys started it back then when you know Darius and Xerxes tried to invade Greece, so we're just finishing this shit that your great-granddad or whatever, whoever, you know, actually great, 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 great. I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um. But anyway, uh, Andy, the, the note basically says that Alexander got lucky. You know, like uh, don't press your luck, man. Just because you won this one, you know, fortune is a fickle mistress. Which Alexander would have been like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll destroy you every time. Then uh, Darius in the letter offered to buy his mom and sister, wife and family, etc. Because you know, even his son was there now in Alexander's power. But he offered to uh, ransom them, you know, pay Alexander a shitload of money to get them back. Uh, Then finally he said, look man, also, uh, why don't we call this thing Square and you can have, you know, most of Turkey and some of the Middle East and Syria and shit like that and we'll call it Square, you know. Which is interesting because, um, you know, that place was of super high value and that was sort of initially all that Philip had said as his sites to, to conquer, so... Um, This put Alexander in a little bit of a quandary, okay? On the one hand, he knew he could kick the shit out of Darius and just take the whole empire. But he also knew that, uh, you know, if Parmenio and sort of the old school guys saw this letter, they'd demand that he uh, accepted the offer since, you know, like I said, that had been more or less what the uh, old guard had been planning the entire time, you know? So Alexander was like, shit, what am I going to do? Well, here's what Alexander does, and it the more you learn about this guy, the more you realize that, yeah, okay, he's just a Machiavellian motherfucker. He forges a new version of the note that left out the offer of the territory and stuff, but then added some crazy crazy shit-talking that he knew would fire up the Macedonians uh, to keep them going, you know. I don't know exactly what Alexander uh, doctored the letter to say, but I bet it was like, you know, I fucked Parmenio's mother or something. I dug her up from the grave and banged her. You know, just stuff that would set people off and say, we're going, you know. Probably used a lot of racial slurs against the Macedonians, I'm guessing. But point is, Alexander doctored the shit out of the note, and predictably, Parmenio and the old school old guard uh, got fired up to keep on fighting. So, I don't know. I mean, Alexander just doesn't give it. He's doing whatever it takes to get me conquering this shit. Then, So as a reply to the letter, Alexander sends back one of the most cocky letters of all time. So first of all, he refers to himself as like the King of Kings, which is the title for the Persians usually adopt. But then he just calls Darius straight up Darius by his first name and basically told him, he's, you're now my bitch. You know, I'll give you your mother and wife and stuff, whatever else you want back. But uh, you, you're now my bitch, so you refer to me as King Alexander and anything else but you're you got to bow down to the fucking man now and if you don't stop running like a bitch and you know stand and fight man because uh you're not going to be able to hide from me i'm alexander the great uh real hard you know i mean it's it's i wish i could write letters like that to be honest um but i kind of think alexander was you know is is as hard sounding and, you know, as like puffed up, you know, and as meathead sounding as the letter is. It's also kind of smart in that um, the last thing he wanted was for Darius to go all guerrilla in Afghanistan and, you know, have to fight a protracted war. So by talking mad shit, I think he inflamed Darius enough to want to fight it out in the open once again so that you know Alexander could finish this shit without a long, drawn-out counterinsurgency war up in the eastern part of the Persian Empire, which is mostly mountains and stuff and is really hard to fight in. Because in mountain warfare you're fighting in three dimensions, whereas on sort of flat battlefield you're fighting in really two dimensions. Um, So then Alexander sends Parmenio to Damascus uh, to secure Darius' baggage train and money because that's where most of his stuff he had stored it before he then went on to fight at uh, Issus. And on the way to Damascus, Parmenio is met by the local Persian leaders who are sort of bringing out a almost like a wagon train of all the, the loot and stuff to meet him. Um, and kind of embarrassingly enough to the Athenians and Spartans, uh, Parmenio also finds that there's a shitload of Greek ambassadors there in Damascus that had been meeting, you know, with the Persians behind Alexander's back. And then also, uh, I think Parmenio discovers, uh, King Darius's harem, which had, like, 365, like, royal whores, so that he could bang a new one every day or some goofy shit like that. Uh, that tells you the amount of power that you can get creative with your depravity like that, man. Like, you know what, I want a different one for you every day of the fucking year, man. And he's also still banging Bagolas, um... Anyway, one of the uh captured people also that Parmenio sent to Alexander was Barsini, who was um the younger wife of the late Memnon of Rhodes, who had you know luckily fucking died. I think she was like ten years older uh than Alexander, but I you know, they knew each other I think from a time when her father had been an outcast of the Persians and kind of sought refuge in, in Philip's court. Uh, but more on her later. But let's just say that um, Barsini is like the first woman that Alexander shows any interest in. So like a lot of people finally could um, exhale and think, okay, so he's not like a hundred percent gay. Which I think they only cared about that because you couldn't have a you know a, a pure blood or a, a uh, blood relative son. You know they were actually way more open minded about sexuality than than we are today. It was, you know, literally the problem was like, man, if you don't go hetero for at least a few minutes, we're never going to have a fucking heir to the throne, man. And you lead from the front, so it's a high likelihood you're going to get killed. Anyway, um, he, he and Barsini ended up hitting it off, but we'll talk about that later. So, um, Alexander's making his way down the coast to Lebanon, you know, and like I said, he's trying to hit all the ports and, and uh, make them off-limits for the you know, Persians-Phoenician fleet so that he doesn't have to worry about constantly getting his line of communication cut off in his rear because they could just obviously go up and block the Bosphorus or the Hellespont, and then Alexander wouldn't be able to get supplies and reinforcements and shit like that. Um, so he makes his way to the the major Phoenician city of Sidon. You know, and they're, they're pretty cool. They surrender to him. Like, hey, man, look, you know, we see what's up. We see which way the wind's blowing. And we want to roll with you. Also, we heard about what you did to Thebes. We don't want none of that. And so he's on a roll now. I mean, you know, again, when he first arrived before even the Battle of the Granicus, nobody was surrendering to him because they knew he was broke. And they had no idea. They I mean he, you know, I'm sure that the odds makers would, before the Granicus and Issus would have had Alexander as an underdog. Uh now he's probably the odds on favorite to finish this shit out, and so people are surrendering to him left and right. Until he gets to the twin cities of Tyre and New Tyre. So like old Tyre is just a city on the coast, right? And then like on an island about a half a mile off the coast is New Tyre. And that shit was like a fortified, uh, you know, uh, bastion on an island. You know, with high walls. I mean, ports, and you know, defended by a navy. Uh, I mean, this place is going to be tough. But, Alexander, at first, you know, things start off well where Old Tyre actually surrenders. You know, and they're like, hey, come on in, you know... We want to stay neutral is what they end up, the bullshit line they end up giving him, you know. And it's like, uh, neutral to Alexander means you're either with me or you're against me. You know, that was his sort of thought. Um, so Alexander kind of senses some bullshit going on. He's like, hey, I want to go out to New Tyre and uh, make some offerings uh, at the temple to Heracles. And they're like, eh, we just can't let you do that, you know. Uh Alexander got a little pissed off and um I think it was pretty much on then. He he sent back some um envoys again try to send, you know, to New Tyre so they, you know, rode on out there. And we were like, "Look, man, you really need to surrender." And the Tyrians killed his envoys and threw them over the walls in the water. So it's fucking on, okay? New Tyre though, again, I can't emphasize how, I mean, This shit was impervious. It seemed impervious to invasion. Nobody had gotten in there. I mean, it was a fortified island stronghold, okay? Alexander has no fleet. You know, he disbanded that. The walls were not only high, but they were thick and they knew how to defend it. They had catapults and shit and all kinds of other ancient artillery like ballistas all over the walls. And the channel between New Tire and the mainland was deep. I mean, at it, 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 many places, it was over 20 feet deep. Which, you know, I mean, that doesn't seem like a lot. But uh, when you don't have any boats, that's deep as hell. Uh, and so it's, it's no surprise that they they were undefeated and had that track record that they did. I mean, it was really smart. But, I mean, when has there ever been some shit that uh, Alexander the Great you know, could not take, you know, that's the thing. And so he obviously shows, uh, how smart and brilliant it is. Cause he just starts building a, you know, 200 foot wide land bridge, you know, they call it a causeway or a mole. I don't know what that's all about, but he starts just saying, "All right, we're going to build, we're going to extend the shore all the way out to new tire. You know, that way I don't need a damn Navy. That's fucking brutal. He did that by hand. So what they did was they would drive pylons uh, into the water, build a wall, you know, and then fill up the uh, place between the two sets of pylons, you know, that 200-foot-wide area with, you know, junk and debris and then, you know, put dirt and sand on top of it and basically make it into, you know, just an extension of the land. And so he even, to get materials to do this, he just took it from old tire, basically knocked down buildings and all kinds of shit. used everything he could to sort of extend it and at first the Tyrians saw this from their walls and were like laughing and talking shit and being like, oh, okay dude, we'll see you in about 20 years when you finally get that shit down here, man. You're trying to build Earth. Uh, They weren't laughing. After a while, he started getting closer and closer and they stopped laughing and were like, dude, what the fuck? And so it was go time uh, and they, you know, would sally out in their ships and attack alexander's uh, you know causeway or his mole his extension of the shore they'd hit it from the sides you know and alexander's guys that are working on this stuff they're not wearing armor i mean that's sadistic right doing construction work and ar- no they're doing it in like loincloths and stuff they're out there sweating they might be nude alexander i mean he didn't need a big excuse to make everybody get nude Um, so they, Alexander finally was like, okay, I've got to build some protective structures that these guys could work behind, you know. You know, walls and siege towers and shit like that. Um, but the water is getting deeper and deeper, and so his progress is slowing down further and further, you know. Um, but he's still making progress. I mean, and the Tyrians are like, motherfuck, man, we gotta do something about this. So picture, you know this um, land bridge that's about halfway out there maybe a little bit further and now he's got these buildings out in front of it that are protecting him so you can't just roll up with your ships and and shoot them with arrows so the tyrians start getting real 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 clever and they they one night uh the macedonians see this big old you know silhouette in the water coming at them and it's being launched it gets it's a fire ship basically they took an old horse transport filled it with kindling and as much oil or whatever, you know, they could think of, and whatever was flammable, and rigged it up to where it would, you know, light itself on fire once it crashed into the um, Macedonians' uh, land bridge. And they set it on fire, and then they started attacking and, you know, shooting burning arrows and stuff like that. And this fucking thing basically blows up all of Alexander's structures that he'd had. His siege towers and his protective buildings for the workers and stuff. And it all goes on fire. And, you know, they're attacking too. You know, they're still using their ships to attack and kill people. And so Alexander's like, fuck. Back to square one, almost. So this is when Alexander realizes at this point, like, I gotta get a fleet of my own, man. I'm not gonna be able to take these dudes, uh you know, without a fleet of my own, right? Like, He disbanded his ships, you know, for um, you know obvious economic pur- purposes and also just the fact that he wasn't going to be able to win a decisive naval battle. Uh, but now he's like, shit, I can't take this place if I don't have at least some boats, right? So lucky for him, like, he'd taken most of the Phoenician city, you know, ports already, so he ended up having, he went back to them and said, hey man, I need your boats to take tire, you know, and so they're like, okay, you know, just don't kill us, please. Please don't kill us. Don't boil us alive, skin us, you know, whatever. Put us in the boats where they, the Persian way to kill people if they really didn't like you was they'd strap you down to a canoe and pour honey and shit all over you and then uh, have a bunch of ants eat you to death, more or less. Um, So anyway, Alexander gets his fleet together, A, to protect his causeway at first you know to get the water um, kinda like Cortez and his assault on uh, Tenochtitlan, Mexico City if you know anything about that. Um, so he's now protected right so they can't sell up and you know they can't just roll up with any uh, fire ships and blow his shit up that way they can't kamikaze him you know they can't just roll up and you know do hit and runs in their boats and stuff you know because he's got a bigger navy so the Tyrians are now isolated big time and with his causeway protected he starts making some progress to where he can now uh hit them with artillery and so it becomes an artillery battle but alexander is obviously better and he's hitting them hard and so finally um the the final assault that he makes kind of reminds me of um you know, what the barbarians at Elysia when they're fighting Julius Caesar should have done in terms of hitting them at several different points, you know, stretching them thin. So he hits them from the sea where they've got uh, uh, ships rigged with like a battering ram on the fucking thing, and so they roll up to the wall and start hammering it, and they come in that way, and then the main causeway is close enough to where they can launch their siege towers and go over the top there, and uh, I mean, Alexander's fucking tactician from hell. Um, and the fighting ended up being savage as shit, but Alexander prevailed and either slaughtered the shit out of everyone, some he crucified, a lot, uh, and then I think the rest he sold into slavery. And then, you know, the city's more or less destroyed, and that was it. But, you know, interesting thing is that uh, the causeway he built uh, still exists, and it just has become a natural sort of peninsula out to the city, even to this day. So, after Tyre got dealt with, uh, that was pretty much the, the you know, the dam busting in terms of resistance, except for one last city, which is Gaza. And the local governor there was like, no, nah, man, because he's got high walls, too, and pretty stout defense, and I think a pretty solid water supply, but uh, he, he was arrogant and thought he could hold out, but uh, he was wrong. You don't fuck with Alexander the Great, man. People shouldn't start to realize this. They don't. Uh, but yeah, Alexander breached the city walls and they ended up capturing this governor guy who decided to hold out. His name was Batis, and he was, like, fat and ugly, apparently. And uh, it was made clear that Alexander did not like fat and ugly people, which I kind of like about Alexander. He would, You know, that made it even worse. And so... <coughs> Excuse me. As revenge, uh, Alexander ties this motherfucker like by a rope to the back of his chariot and drag the dude to death around the city walls. That's cold blooded, but it's like um, you know he read all this damn. You know, like, ancient history, or, you know, I guess it's Iliad and Odyssey, where... I guess it was Achilles that tied Hector's body to his chariot. And, you know, Achilles was Alexander's fucking hero. So Alexander's just aping him, but this time he's doing it to a living dude. I mean, at least Achilles waited till Hector was dead before he dragged him around this walls of Troy, but... Alexander drags fat, ugly Batus around, till he dies. Pulls a Jasper Texas on him. And after that, you know, basically that whole coastline there, all the way down to Egypt, is secured. And he had some tough fighting man. The Siege of Tyre lasted longer than any other siege he'd had to do, and it was pretty costly. And then Gaza, you know, pissed him off royally, so he dragged a dude to death. But then he um, makes his way to Egypt. And the people in Egypt uh, were not, sort of, obviously not part of the Persian Empire. They'd been conquered and um the egyptians uh as soon as the persian sort of leaders your know, local governors satraps as they're called flee uh the egyptians welcome alexander as a liberator you know and alexander's cunning like this he made damn sure to observe the local egyptian religious customs when he got there because the persian king when he conquered egypt cambyses He'd been a dickhead. He took a shit all over Egypt's religious customs, you know. Even, you know, they had a sacred bull, the Egyptians, um, which was called the Apis bull, you know, and that was like, um, you know, I mean, it was their their holy sacred animal. I don't know, I mean, it's kind of weird if you ask me, but I wouldn't, you know, they're entitled to their religious practices. But Cambyses, the um, son of Xerxes, maybe? When he had taken this over, he fucking killed the apis bull himself. Uh, so Alexander knew that going in and said, you know what, I'm going to do the opposite. Since they didn't, the Egyptians didn't like the Persians, they're going to like me because I'm going to go in and you know, like, pet the bull, or I don't know if what he did. But they end up naming Alexander the fucking Pharaoh, which in Egypt, that's semi-divine, which that's the worst thing you can do right now. Alexander's had these string of defeat victories, and he's already got it in his head a little bit from his mom, which we'll talk about here in a second. But then, you know, the Egyptians are like, you're a pharaoh, you're part of this. You're, you're, you're part sun god, Ra. And Alexander really played the political game strong in Egypt. And that's why, I mean, from here on out, 3.30 all the way up to the time of Julius Caesar, which is right around the time of Christ, you know, right before, there'd be a Greek-slash-Macedonian ruler... Uh, on the throne of Egypt for that entire three hundred plus year period, um, and it would thrive under the you know Ptolemies. It was one of Alexander's boys who had been in his class with Aristotle, and that would you know was on this on this ex- expedition with him, but uh, was slowly getting more and more responsibility. But that's a whole story for a different time. A different story for a different time. So then, um, Alexander makes the uh, journey, so, you know, you know where Egypt is, sort of closer to the interior at a desert oasis is this town of Siwa, uh, which is where the oracle of Zeus Ammon, so it's like, you know how, I mean, the Romans had Jupiter, uh, the Greeks had Zeus, well... The Egyptian version of that, or it's not even really Egyptian, it's sort of that North African uh, version as Ammon, which is where ammonia comes from. So there was apparently a lot of ammonia around there. Um, but the oracle to that god was at this place called Siwa, but you had to travel across the desert uh, to get there. And so Alexander, you know, he, he was prone to do this. He'd take some a detachment and just go off through the fucking desert and be like, if we die, we die. And the legend is like they were like real haggard, you know, just going through losing out of water, out of food. And then finally, I think it was Ptolemy that was like we some accounts say that they saw two birds and they followed them to the oasis or but some people say they saw a pair of snakes, I think, and followed it, which is weird because I don't know why the fuck. I mean, I, you know, I guess it's smart cuz they got to find water. Um I just wouldn't think that snakes traveled in pairs, I guess, but uh, they eventually make their way to Siwa. And Alexander, you know, no pomp and circumstance, just comes in dusty out of the desert and goes straight up to the fucking temple, you know. And here's the weird thing, so, um, most of the, like, the Greek oracles had, like, a a crack in the uh, ground where a a woman would sit over it, and somehow the gods would take possession of her, you know, something like that, and then they would speak through her, but it would really, she'd just be high as balls, most likely, and would start talking as if she knew what the gods were saying. Uh, But Siwa, the oracle was like, they would bring out this, um, they had this like pool of water, and uh, the oracle was a little fucking boat with, like, bells on it. And whenever the god would speak, it would the bells would ring like ding-ling-ling-ling-ling. Ling, ling, ling. Which, I mean, okay. What the fuck does that mean, you know? you I guess you can only ask yes-no questions, maybe? Because I don't see how these little tinkling bells on a little boat gets possessed by the god and then is able to answer your questions. But anyhow... Uh, Alexander goes in alone to sort of ask the uh, and I mean the priests are there. They're probably doing the Ouija board shit where they're guiding the answers, you know. Cynical me. I don't know. That just seems weird that a fucking boat was gonna... I I don't know. How he didn't think this is ridiculous tells you a lot about the power of tradition back in the ancient world. So he, Alexander goes in alone uh, and asks a couple... three questions, I think. First one's like, have my father's murderers been punished? And uh, the answer that is given is that, um, well, your father uh, can't be murdered because your father is Zeus Ammon himself, which Alexander, that was, he was like, that was my second question. Was Philip really my fucking dad after all? Cause, and we're going to go off a little tangent here because... Uh, Alexander's mom had been telling him that, no, look, Philip is not your real dad, okay? Your real dad is fucking God. And I think that came about because uh, Alexander. Uh, the, the legend has it that Philip walked in on Alexander's mother one time <clears throat> after they'd, I think after he'd gotten her pregnant or something like that uh, but comes in and catches her in bed with a giant snake and the implication is that she's like humping the snake, kinda. That it's something sexual, cause he's like, Wah! I mean, it terrifies him to where he doesn't touch her after that. Um, and instead of, uh, you know, being known as a snake fucker, uh, Olympias instead, you know, when this, cause obviously something like that, a rumor like that's gonna get back around to you when you're Alexander. to maybe he'd already been born. But uh, Olympias is like, what? No, that wasn't a snake. That was Zeus. Because, you know, back in uh, Greek mythology, Zeus liked to take on the form of some kind of animal and come down and just bang people. I don't know why he couldn't just do it in his regular form of like a god, but instead he comes down as like a, a bull or a swan or, in this case, a snake seems awfully convenient that he would take on, I think, I feel like that Zeus doing this was just an excuse for some of these skanks of the ancient world to fuck animals. Um, Because, like, the Minotaur uh, was born because this woman loved this bull so much that she made a fake bull and then got, like, a Trojan horse bull, got inside that Trojan horse bull and let the bull go to town on her, which, what kind of stupid bull will bang a wooden bowl, uh, And then there's like Leda and the Swan, I think is one where a swan comes down and takes this girl. I think she, I, don't, I think that was against her will, which you don't want to get raped up by a swan. I'm imagining that's going to be a pretty traumatizing, but they were like, no, it was Zeus. And then now Olympias, Philip catches her with a snake. I don't, think the snake was in her. I think she was more like humping it, you know? Uh, And she was like, no, that was Zeus. What are you talking about? I don't just hump these snakes. That was Zeus. Your father is Zeus, who had taken on the form of a snake, and then I humped him. Interesting thing, uh, I guess they lay eggs, so... But I've never seen a snake penis. I don't even think they exist, right? I wonder what happens, like the um, female snake lays eggs, and then the male snake kind of comes and beats off on them. Boy, I'm really showing what a fucking idiot I am here, since I have no idea how snakes actually even reproduce. Now that I think about it, reptiles in general, I always thought that like those turtles that would lay their eggs, you know, swim out, the sea turtles would swim out on the shore and lay their eggs in the sand, and then the male would come and beat off on them fertilize them, and then they'd hatch, but that's stupid, too. Hmm. I actually don't know how reptiles, in general, reproduce. Now, I'm a real idiot. To my, uh, in my defense, my biology teacher was fucking boring, so... Oh, and then, okay, so anyhow, back to Alexander. So he's like... I'm sure that the people, the priests of the oracle could tell that, like, he, he really needed the answer to be yes when it came to is Zeus really my father? So when they said, have my father's, you know, when Alexander asked the first question of, have my father's murderers uh, been caught? Um, they were like, well, your father's Zeus. And then he said, so he's like, okay, well, that's my second question. Thank God that my mom's not just a snake fucker. Right? Like, that that would be a psychological blow that would be difficult to overcome if they were like, well, no, your father's Philip, I don't, what are you talking about? Zeus says he doesn't even know who your mom is. Would be like, oh great, so my mom's just a snake fucker. Okay, well, good. Um, what is true in my life? You know, that would have been really psychologically destabilizing, I imagine. So, uh, and then the third one is like, he asked, you know, am I going to be successful in my conquest? And they're like, yes. Which what are you going to say? I mean, uh, when he went to the Oracle at Delphi, uh, they were like, we're closed. You know, and the um, lady who sits across atop the uh, crack that uh, emits fumes that she didn't gets high as balls off of and starts talking as if she's the god. Uh, she was like we're closed and he was like he grabbed her by the hair and was like gonna jerk her and throw her onto the thing and be like oh you know you're not but then she said you're invincible and so they basically pulled the same thing of like yeah man um, you're gonna win sure cuz I mean again like if he loses means he'll probably get killed and so he's not gonna come back and be like hey you told me I was gonna fucking win man So he leaves very happy, and he doesn't tell anybody, actually, which is interesting because if he doesn't tell anybody, how the fuck do we know? But we somehow know, but he did write to his mom a letter saying, I found out some shit that will be of great interest to you. And the fact that he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't psychologically destabilized as shit means that, well, he probably, um... I don't know, he probably did not find out that his mom's a snake fucker, you know. So he then decides to travel, obviously, back through the desert. uh, I actually like his approach of where he sometimes takes the hard route to either punish his men or to see who's tough, you know, and to show he's tough. Like when they're, I don't know if they're approaching or leaving, or maybe this is later in the Gedrosian Desert, but like, they have a little bit of water that they find, and they come up and, you know, it's like in a helmet. And they offer it to Alexander, and he's like, no, nope. pours it out. It's like, if you guys aren't having water, I'm not having water, which is, you know, a super hard thing to do. And soldiers back then were like, I'll fucking fight for this dude, man. So he takes the return trip back, and... uh Instead of, you know, like, Memphis, I think, was the main capital of Egypt at this point, but he wanted to make his own city. That's the one thing Alexander got in the habit of doing, and it kind of starts here, was founding new cities and naming them Alexandria. There's a lot of cities he named after himself. Instead of, like, see, I think it's a cop-out that we fucking name states, North Dakota, South Dakota, North Carolina, South Carolina, it's so fucking unoriginal. But at least we differentiate them. Alexandria, he just starts forming a bunch of them. And some of them he's like, oh, you know, Alexandria Oskarpa or whatever, meaning like the furthest. He does that in like over in Pakistan. Um, but this one he forms Alexandria and he um, is walking around. He picks out the site, which is pretty key in terms of strategy. I mean, it's got this nice harbor, but it's also kind of near the Nile. And it's, it'll end up being really easy to defend, really hard to conquer and really good for commerce. So he's walking the outline of the city and they don't have like um, the chalk that you would like line base paths with, you know, in like Little League. But they do have like grain. So he's got a guy following him, sort of using the grain to sort of outline where he wants everything. You know, I want this to be the main street. And over here, uh, we'll put the oil wrestling ring or whatever, the massage parlor. Here we'll do the cabaret. I don't know, whatever. His, you know, he, obviously he wants to do a temple, administrative offices, um, marketplaces like agoras, um, which the Persians were really like arrogant. They're like, dude, you guys uh, have these open places, you know, markets where you go and lie to each other. That is so lame. Like they they didn't understand that. Like, oh yeah, no, this is where we just go and. Dude commerce, motherfucker, that's why we're gonna be better than you uh but as he's like doing the outline of the city, you know he's where he's you know they're saying okay put a put a put a straight line down this street here of grain, you know and so it's all outlined, so then they can just build on top of it. It's like a one to one scale blueprint of the city. Alexander is a religious motherfucker. And it, Or at least he understands the propaganda value of, like, omens and portents. And so, while he's doing this, birds come and eat the damn grain. Which a normal person, you know, a modern person would just be like, oh yeah, we probably shouldn't have used something that is food to birds. Uh, but he was like, oh fuck man, is this a bad omen? Shit. People are going to think this is bad because it's like, the birds came and ate my city, you know, what does that symbolize? And they're like, no. It's a good omen. Obviously, he's got these kiss-ass priests that interpret omens that... They have yet to fucking interpret an omen that was bad. Right, because you interpret a bad omen and Alexander's having a bad day. He's gonna omen your ass, meaning he kill you. Especially as he starts getting megalomania later on, which, I mean, obviously you have people tell... You. you win every battle you fight and you have a lot of people telling you you're God, including your mom. It's hard for me to blame him for megalomania. Shit, I would have been way worse, way worse. If somebody told me I was a god and it was like verified, holy shit, you couldn't get me to do anything. But anyhow, they're like, no, 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 look, the the omen is that this place is going to be a, a bountiful place where that will feed the entire world. Okay. He was like, you know, hey, whatever, I don't give a shit if it's unbelievable or not, man, I'm taking it. Uh, passed the word that this thing had a good omen, you know. And he was pretty smart uh, about what he would do in terms of whenever he had a, a major city like Egypt, you know, a city, major territory like Egypt that he conquered and wanted to leave behind, you know, governors for, he wouldn't just leave it in, in one guy in charge because he realized that, like, Egypt had the manpower and resources to where one guy, if he got in his mind, would just form up his own army, his own little kingdom. So he would divide um, the responsibilities and the power, essentially, between three people. He'd have like a domestic ruler, he'd obviously have the guy in charge of the um, military garrison, and then he'd have one guy in charge of the finances. So independently, none of those guys could do shit on their own. Uh, they all three had to work together, and therefore the power would be diluted. Um, so doing this, Alexander's, you know, he's had his good time. He, he's enjoyed being the Pharaoh. He's got it confirmed. His mom's not a snake fucker. And so it's like, all right, time to head on back up, and uh, let's do this shit. Because I think he's starting to receive word that... Um, now we're gonna, you know, pause because Darius had gone over into the far east of his territories, you know, Iran, Afghanistan, that area, uh, even northern up into the steppes of uh, Asia, and he's recruiting, you know, a bunch of uh, tribal guys for his army, a new army. This army is gonna be different because it's gonna be, you know, mostly steppe you know, horse archers in his army. Interesting to, I, to think about. We don't really know. I don't really know. I don't want to say we, but I don't really know What he told these people, but I'm sure he went around to all the different villages and cities and was like You know making a reason as to why he lost, you know, I lost because I wasn't I didn't have you guys fighting <coughs> And He probably also told them that Macedonians are a bunch of rapists and not just to women that if you lose, he's gonna come over, you know, if you don't stick with me, he's still gonna come get you guys. I'm the only way to unite you guys, and if you lose, he's gonna rape you to death. Something. Stick a giant spear up your ass or something. He Anyway, he manages to raise a damn army, and like, this is ridiculous. This is why you can't trust half the shit you read back then, is that some people say it was a million-man army. That mostly horses? Mm, I don't think so. But it was a big army either way, and probably bigger than the one he had at Issus. And so he's coming at Alexander, and he's up by the Tigris and Euphrates, and Alexander's like, all right, well, let's do this. And so he heads there too, after reuniting with Parmenio, and uh, getting reequipped and incorporating reinforcements, and, and all that stuff. And so, I've got a little bit of time left, but... Uh, I want to leave the Battle of Galgamela. Nah, you know what? Fuck it. Let's finish this shit out with the Battle of Galgamela because uh, they meet and this is the fucking climactic battle of all climactic battles. Like I said, they meet up in... um, You know, uh, like I said, it's... Galgamela is the closest town and that means the House of the Camel, but it's... near Arbella, which was kinda near modern-day Mosul um in that area or whatever and so uh Darius gets his forces to the battlefield first and is like okay I want my big flat you know plane so I can take advantage of my goddamn numbers again like you guys wouldn't let me do right he's got enough excuses to make him think you know I got a shot fuck that and his army's massive this time and it's mostly, he's got, he's pulling out all the stops. He's got his war elephants, he's got scythe chariots. Because, you know, his tough thing is like, how do you break up this damn phalanx, man? Because, um, you know, as long as it stays in tight, close order, it's almost damn near invincible. Especially if you got Alexander's Cavalry covering in its flanks and rear. So he gets there early and sets up and has people, you know, basically do that move uh where they drag the, you know, thing at the baseball uh diamond to make the uh dirt flat. And so he grades it, you know, to where it's a nice flat uh obstructionless uh runway for him to launch his chariots and his elephants and everything else, all his cavalry. So he's got a plan, man. He's going to use his cavalry uh, to envelop Alexander on the flanks, and then he's going to hit Alexander's phalanx in the middle with his damn uh, chariots and elephants and shit. So, Alexander's plan is to sort of put himself into a little bit of a crescent, or at least bend his flanks back to where they can defend for a side on, and then he's got a, a separate group of, of, you know, kind of his Greek mercenaries. Uh, in the rear to take care of anybody that sort of either uh, outflanks him and tries to hit him in the back or, you know, breaks through his line or whatever. So he's got a nice, it's basically an oval but with some openings in the back. Um, and But other than that, it's his normal setup. Parmenio with the Thessalian and um, Thracian cavalry on the left. Phalanx in the middle, hardcore as fuck. Uh, Hypaspas, on the right wing of the phalanx and then his strike force of his you know various assault troops which are the agrianian javelin throwers which i would not want to take a javelin uh to the neck at any cost but he's also got his Cretan archers and he's got slingers these guys that have basically these um probably smaller than a billiards ball and they put it in a sling like david from the old testament and sling it and that shit's like High Lie. You know, I mean, you've seen High Lie. They basically can do that. You know, so you've got um javelins coming in at an angle, you've got balls, you know, little stones, metal, you know, bullets coming at you at know, a flat angle. You're fucked. And so that's his nice little force there. And he's got his companion cavalry, obviously, is a strike wing. And so Alexander's kind of looking at Darius' defenses and realizing that, that, that Darius has obviously built a giant wall to where Alexander's not going to be able to just hit him like he did last time or penetrate and then go. So what Alexander does is interesting. He basically pulls, like in football, like an offense does, and he, he goes out in motion even wider. So Darius and his generals are like, that motherfucker's trying to outflank us? We overlap him by like twice. But even then they get nervous and so Darius takes horsemen from in front of him, from his center, because that's the only place he can, and sends them to go and, and mirror Alexander. But Alexander's like, fuck yeah, I did it. So they weaken their front, so now he can go back and take another crack at uh, Darius. And so he's got his, you know, Hypaspas and his light troops kind of intermingled in with his cavalry. And so you got to picture this. These two lines are facing off. Alexander tries to extend the right. And so the Persians extend right after him, but they're weakening their density of the center to do so. Uh, And so Alexander does that, and the the two wings that are trying to outflank each other uh, basically turn and hit each other. But Alexander um, uses the light troops and some of the cavalry to then occupy that that flank wing. Then he doubles back uh, and comes back inside with his companion cavalry, but while this is going on, Parmenio's on the left flank, and the Persian cavalry over there is once again stomping a mud hole in them. I mean, they are just hard-pressed to hang on for dear fucking life. To the point to where later on, at the decisive moment, Alexander's going to get a message from Parmenio going, Help! We're surrounded, dude. We are surrounded and about to get killed. And so, you know, it'd be tough, like... Well, we'll get to it. But, uh, and then in the middle of the phalanx, um... Darius sends his chariots, but Alexander had prepared for this, and so his tactics were to, for the phalanx to sort of um, accordion and open up some spaces in the middle of them, and the chariots are just naturally drawn into it. And so they've got scythes and shit, like, you know, swords sticking out the side. And I mean, it could be really gross, it could cut your legs off. But the Macedonians open up some spaces, which the horses that are pulling the chariots naturally are gravitating towards. So they go into those spaces and just get the shit butchered out of them. So, you know, Darius's attempt to break up that Macedonian line doesn't work and the phalanx goes forward. Uh, But then on, on the right flank at this point, you know, once everybody's engaged and shit's popping off and Darius's offensive chariots don't seem to be working, Alexander... Pulls a 180 and heads back inward towards the center on a diagonal angle, basically, while he's got the Persian enveloping cavalry on his right side, the Persian's left side, tied up. And once again, the motherfucker goes right at Darius. And I'm trying to imagine what's going through Darius' head. He had to have been like, again? Oh, fuck. Because, um... Alexander breaks through and is at the tip of the spear, once again, hacking through people, making his way towards Darius. And again, Darius fucking bails, man. So you get bitch-made twice. That's not a good look. You're done, even if you're not done. Uh, And Alexander, dude's a fucking man. Obviously, he believes he's God, so that gives him a little bit of confidence. But, I mean, he's leading the attack right at fucking Darius again, because he realizes, like, if that dude spooked once, imagine how I can get him to spook this time if I can fuck him up with some misdirection. You know, sending him... It's basically, you know, like in football, you send a wide receiver in motion to the right uh, to extend the defense out that way, and then you hit him in the spot that they just evacuated. And that's what Alexander did. He's basically the Hal Mummy of ancient combat. And so... This episode and the Battle of Galgamella comes to a close with Darius once again running off like a punk bitch. But, I mean, to his credit, what else are you gonna do? Get killed? Then you really have no chance. And get taken prisoner? Then you really have no chance. This is the only chance he's got. But, I mean, he looks weak. Really? You ran away twice? And so Alexander is getting ready to go chase him. And that's when he receives a message from Parmenio, who's like, Dude, help us or we're, I'm gonna die. Alexander, good guy that he is, is like you know what? All right, man, let's go. Fucking god, dang it! But he goes, and that's where the the actually bloodiest fighting happens. Is Alexander's coming across the formation uh, to hit the Persians who are that who are disengaging and retreating, and so they basically collide into each other, and it just becomes a melee. That eventually Alexander wins, but it's costly. Uh, but Parmenio and the left wing, that the the and Thracian cavalry are saved. Uh but it's a bloody end and then you know there's some Greek mercenaries to clean up, but finally the the battle ends at night and the dust settles. They kill so many fucking Persians who are retreating that uh, one of Alexander's generals was like you could walk uh for like a mile just on the corpses. They just kill a shitload of them. But Darius is once again gone. So it's over, but it's not over. And with that, looks like I'm running out of time, but the Battle of Galgamela is over, the third battle of this campaign. Alexander's three for fucking three, with including two of those, making Darius run, but I'm sure that's frustrating to a perfectionist like Alexander. Uh, but now, imagine what this dude's ego is like if he's defeated even an even bigger army. Some like one dude says it's a million men. Alexander had forty-seven thousand guys. It was not a million men, but it may have been one hundred and fifty thousand. And he butchered the fuck out of them and ran off Darius when because he, he came you know face to face with him. So Alexander at this point is like, yeah, I am God. I'm God. And with that. I'll conclude this pointless-ass episode number four. I'm going to finish this shit in probably maybe two more episodes. uh, So that way I can have a complete story told that nobody will fucking listen to.